カハンニャハラミタシンギョー Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Have noticed that we have a film crew here. Such an amazing practice opportunity to notice your preferences, to notice if you behave differently, you're more nervous or whatever. For me, it's just a Yet another wonderful opportunity to see our mind. And to see if we can actually enter the great way, which is not clinging to our preferences. So I wanted to make our way through this. Beautiful piece by Dogen called the Bodhisattva's Four Methods of Guidance. And we got through one paragraph. And it's four methods of guidance for Bodhisattvas, which is each of us awakening beings on the journey. And the first it was giving. Which tends to be challenging. And today I want to see if I can speak about kind speech and beneficial action. And the last is identity action. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I've been really reflecting a lot about kind speech myself. In this wave of difference, <laughs> the subtlety of my husband. <laughs> I'm just passing the clock. <laughs> And really reflecting on, in particular, I was, I sit on several different ethics committees, and I was on an ethics committee meeting this week, and there were these ethics charges against a particular person for many years, many different charges, but nothing was ever done. Because everyone was uncomfortable about dealing with it. People liked this person. 
and they didn't want to be uncomfortable. And is that kind? Is that practicing kind speech? I think many of us who are interested in this kind of spiritual life and spiritual path, that can get very confusing. Because we can use things like kind speech to be actually suppress what's true and kind. So to me, it's also the kind speech has to be thinking about what's beneficial to the whole. Not, it does not ever say that it's kind speech and that's not always comfortable. It's not always gonna be comfortable or easy. You know, sometimes it's really hard to be kind. Because so often we're interested in what our interest is as opposed to the interest of the whole. Dogen says, just try, be willing to practice kind speech for your entire life. Because many of us are not very good at it. And so I just love this attitude about, well, why don't you just practice it for your whole life and then see how it's going. Many of us want to it to go much quicker. And now I'm kind. He says, kind speech is the basis for reconciling rulers and subduing enemies. What's that about? Have you ever had to say something really difficult? I remember once I had to have a very difficult conversation about the ending of a particular form of a relationship. And I was given this teaching about kind speech and they said, well, what? practice this and then when you're ready to really engage that kind of speech then you can change the form of that relationship sometimes called breaking up but it really did feel like the changing of the form of the relationship and for me it really for me kind speech when we have to say something difficult we have to be super clear I know for me, I have to be really clear about my stuff and my responsibility. My responsibility for 
my aspect of engaging the relationship, my aspect of how I chose this relationship. And when the time came to have that conversation, it did feel kind, it was super hard and particularly just to say it. And then once I said it, it just was so clear. Yes, I'm wishing the person well in a sincere way. As Dogen says, this is what, how we benefit friends and enemies equally. And also I would say, this is also how we make the lack of difference between friends and enemies. Before I really began practicing this kind of kind speech, I really felt like this person had become an enemy. And in many ways, they did things that they were, that were not nice or kind, that they were also still responsible for. So it's the difference between how, our, how we hold people and it doesn't mean that we're not holding them responsible and they're not held responsible for what they do. Does that make sense? And to me, this is so difficult. It's kind of like having a film crew watching you, which to me is always like the best way of really examining how our practice is going to actually practicing when you're practicing alone and imagining that there's a film crew there. To me, it's a really great barometer for how we're actually doing. Are we really practicing wholeheartedly? Will we hear that and see that? I think about this person who, you know, that those ethics charges were brought against. And each time they were just ignored. And so what does that do when we don't hold each other accountable? It actually encourages and approves the behavior. So for like 20 years, the span of 20 years of complaints against this person. And only now held accountable. But just to think about, I was just really reflecting on how my own 
accountability to my own behavior and really thinking about how I had not, it, there was a real threshold moment that I had to pass through where I really began to hold myself accountable, like having a film crew when I was alone. To really reflect on what am I actually doing? How am I actually working with my mind? How am I actually, what am I actually doing with my practice? Because basically I was like, but saying, ever do that? Say like, yeah, I'm totally rocking it. And you're like, not really. Oh boy, it's so humbling and so important. So just really reflecting on that ethics case over 20 years and just to be like, wow, I wonder how we can all learn from that. Like hold ourselves accountable in a great way to what is the standard? How do we uphold our own standard about how we want to live, how we want to care for others. How do we honor that? I mean, it's super easy to talk about. That is no problem. But to really live it, When you go back to look at the footage and you see us eye it, you're like, yeah, that's what's going on. It's so rare and so important. Someone reminded me of a wonderful koan where Shakyamuni Buddha was on Mount Gudakutra, about to give a talk, and thousands of people showed up. It was like Gaga. Imagine, like, someone at that time was like super famous, and people, all these people came and wanted to, and they were very silent and serious. And the Buddha was just looking around and twirling a flower. And only Mahakashapa smiled. And they smiled together. Because he was not in an idea of how he was supposed to be. He was actually in relationship. And how rarely we are actually in relationship to what's actually happening. So you're not, you can't be in that moment, you can't be thinking about like, what should I be doing and how am I doing? You're just really there. Not holding back.
So to me, it's a really important time to like really reflect on for myself, kind speech. And how we can kind of make that into kind of a saccharine, splendid kind of kindness, as opposed to the kindness that actually holds integrity and authenticity and clarity, that kind of kindness, where we're really connected to one another and we're connected to the world. How do we use that kind of kind speech to ourselves to actually encourage us to be clear? To me, it is in many ways the question. Dogen says at the end of this section about kind speech, he says, ponder the fact that kind speech is not just praising the merit of others. So it's not just like, you're so great. Even if you feel it, it's not the whole thing. He said it has the power to turn the destiny of a nation. power to turn the destiny of the nation or the Sangha. So that kind of our willingness to be compassionate and generous in our speech changes relationship both inside of ourselves, interpersonally, in our Sangha, and in our world, to be able to really say what is kind and necessary. And to me, this is a great joy to practice together. Because we have to really give up the ideas about what we think it's supposed to look like. Like all those people assembled at Mount Gudakutra to hear the Buddha talk and, mm, aren't I spiritual? Here I am to, at a Zen center on a mountain giving, listening to a Dharma talk. But to be able to be that freshness of just being in the joy or whatever that or then be in the freshness of the injustice of what's happening, whatever that is. How do we bring a fresh mind to whatever that is? Kind speech.